0: Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I want you to make an investment in your own spirituality. I want you to make an investment that says, I want God to speak to me today. It's not ever about who has the microphone. It's more about who they're representing and if they're saying the right stuff. And I'm going to pray in just a moment that God will allow me to say the right stuff. But here's the reality. Some people will leave here today feeling like... The, the service was good, that the preaching was good, that God said something to them and other people will leave not so much feeling that way. And it will not be in my ability to talk or it won't be in my oration. It won't be in my style. It will only be in your listening. And I want to ask you to listen this morning, not to the words I say, get past my accent and my quirks and my weirdness and try to hear what God would have to say to you. Because that's why we're here. We're here because we believe in God. We're here to exalt the name of the Lord God and to listen to what he has to say to us. So let's look at his holy word in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not in of the father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled Don't love the wrong thing. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us a love for you and a love for each other. God, I thank you for allowing us to come into this place today. And gather in your name, Lord. You promised that when we come together and gather in your name that you're here with us. So we thank you for your presence. And God, I ask you now to anoint my mouth and my mind. Have me to say things, God, that would encourage us today, that would instruct us, that would teach us sound doctrine. Father, I pray today that you would let us hear what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't love the wrong thing. Now, let me say it to you because you might not have anybody else to say it to you. God knows I don't, and I ain't looking. But happy Valentine's Day. What's that? Well, I don't, uh, to you, but to some people, there better be some another day flowers with it, and some another day chocolate with it, and some another day trip with it, and some another day presents with it, and some another day recognition with it. I mean, I guess it just all depends on where you're sitting and who you're sitting with. But people... All across this country are talking about love this weekend. There's, there's love conferences. There, there's backed up lines in restaurants. There's chocolate people happy. The greeting card business is happy. And the world likes to tell us what to do with our time, what to do with our money, and what we should love. And this morning, I want us to focus on what God has us, I'm not mad about any of that stuff. Listen, I like chocolate. I didn't get built this way not eating candy. Trust me. I I like people's traditions. I want you to have your tradition. If, if, If that's what you do, you do what you do, but make sure to always keep the Lord first. Amen? I want us to think about, according to the Scripture, what God says we should love and what we shouldn't. What we should love and what we shouldn't. Now, the first part is very easy. What we should love is guess who? God. That's the centerpiece of our religion, to love the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Hebrews had a few verses that they called the Shema. It was the basic confession of faith and it was the opening to their morning and evening prayers and it basically said that the lord is one lord and that you should love him with all your heart soul mind and strength this is the cornerstone of our faith system and in the new testament when jesus was asked What's the most important commandment? See, because they're not ten commandments, and you can go to a bookstore, and there's a book that's been out for years called The 613 Commandments of the Bible, and there's not 613, there's thousands of commandments. And so I think it was a really good question when the man came along and asked Jesus, What's the most important one of I can just see, I can just see him in my mind thinking, Lord, I don't know all these rules. I don't know all these commandments. I can't keep them all narrow it down for me get, give me the big one. you know we love top 10 lists. we love top five lists. This guy was just looking to get to the to the core of the apple and he said, what's the big one and Jesus said the greatest commandment of them all is that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. This is what God wants from us. We're talking about what we should love and what we shouldn't love. Well, primarily throughout all the Bible, we should love God and we should love the things that God loves. If you're ever going to get along with somebody, do you realize you need to love the same thing they love? I have seen Florida State fans and Gator fans living in the same house. I don't understand it. I have heard about Bulldog fans and Gator fans living in the same house. I don't believe it. I mean, I think that's a rumor. That's like Sasquatch, you know. That, that's like the Loch Ness Monster. That, that's just stuff people talk about. But you got to, if you're going to be in relationship with somebody, you got to like the stuff they like. The Bible says two can't walk together except they be agreed. And if you want to be the man, the woman, the young person that God wants you to be, you need to not only love him, but you need to love the things that he loves. And that's one of the reasons we come to church so we can learn more About God. So, when we're thinking about what we should love and what we shouldn't love, we put the big category that we should love God. Before I get into this message this morning, though, I want to start by telling you what the experts believe about why people do what they do. Don't shout it out, be too many answers. But think in your mind right now why do you do what you do? Why do you think I do what I do? Why do you think the people that live in your house do what they do? Some people like to hunt, some people like to fish. Some people like to read books. Some people would rather see the movie. My son told me, Dad, anybody that says the book was better than the movie is kidding themselves. And I said, no, son, some people actually like the book. And all, all the nerds are doing like this right now. You should, you should push your glasses up and put tape on the middle of them, and then we'll just know you like the book better than the movie. I'm messing with you. Lighten up. If there's not enough smiles, I'm just going to come at you hard. I'll, I'll go into a comedy routine because the Bible says laughter's good medicine and look like some of y'all missed y'all's medicine. <laughs> Let me keep going. Y'all don't remember Granny and her med- I'm going to keep going. People like different stuff. Some, some people like to sit out by the ocean. Others like to sit out by a mountain. Some people well, on milkshakes. Well, you get all different flavors of milkshake, but there's only three real flavors of milkshake. And inside my family, we hit all three of them. We pull up to wherever we put drive through, we pull up. We got one strawberry, one vanilla, and one chocolate. And that's all the time. It's never a variance. People have different likes. People prefer different things. But let me tell you why They have likes. Why? They do what they do. Because they think it will make them happy. The reason that you do what you do is because you think it will make you happy. The the reason that you want what you want is because you think it will make you happy. If I could grant wishes today, I'm not a genie in a bottle. I wouldn't fit. I don't have a magic wand, and I can't grant wishes, but let's just play a game and pretend I could. If I started with Miss. Ms. Nancy, and I went all the way around the room, and by the time I came up to you, I said, tell me your one wish, and I will grant it. Don't say it out loud, but just think for a minute in your mind. Seriously, if there was somebody here, you know, if, if, if the, the richest person in the world, the most powerful person in the world, whatever, a genie in a bottle was here, and they could really give you that one wish, what is it you would wish for? Now, some people would be real noble, and they'd be like, Pastor, I wouldn't wish anything for myself. You know the beauty pageant answers coming up next, right? What, what, all the, what all the fake beauty queens want? You know they're lying. Okay, but there are some people that would be honest. when And they would, they, they would think they'd be honest. And they'd say, Pastor, I, I just don't need any. I, I don't want anything from me. But my nephew's auntie's sister's third removed on my brother's cousin's side. Struggling with an ingrown toenail. And I just wish that baby... <laughs> toenail would stop hurting and you might wish for somebody's health you might wish for somebody else's whatever you might wish for your own situation but it all boils down because you think that would make you happy some people wish for money people are like I, I just if I could have one million dollars listen we're playing make-believe don't wish for a million okay get your mind right Five hundred billion. You know why five hundred billion? Because I didn't feel like saying six hundred billion and I would have said nothing less. But if if you if I could people would say big money, why? Because they think that would make them happy. A nicer car, why? Because they think that'd make them happy. For their husband to stop being so lazy. Because they think that would make them happy. For their wife to stop. Yep. Cause you think that would make them happy. <laughs> For, for for their spouse to do more of this or less of that, why? Because they think that would make them happy. I want you to, if you don't get nothing else, people do what they do and like what they like because they think it will make them what? Happy. And that's what people want. They want to be happy that's why if you can ever find a job i had somebody tell me when i was really young and it's great advice and whether you're 170 years old or younger than that in here this morning you need to understand if you can ever find a job that you like doing you need to figure out a way to get paid for that and do it forever And if you can't get paid a lot of money but you enjoy doing it, you need to do it anyhow because 85% of all college graduates never work inside their major and 97% of everybody surveyed hates their job. Woo! If you like anything about your job, you ought to pat yourself on the back and say, I got it going on like Donkey Kong. I'm smarter than the rest of the... Listen, I wouldn't work a job I hate. Why? Because I know the... Basic setup going on. The wrestle in between my heart, my mind, and my spirit is trying to get me to be happy. And, every, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy. You just got to do it the right way. Say right way. Amen. People would ask for all different types of stuff. They want that wish because it would make them happy. They say, oh, not me. It's for somebody else. Well, that would make them happy, and that would make you happy. It all comes down to the same thing. But in Proverbs 29, 18, listen to what the Bible says. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off constraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. I'm not going to keep you long this morning. I'm not going to Bible study everything, but let's just Bible study this out for a second. We always got to pay attention to the punctuation when we read the Bible. It helps us to digest and get it on the inside. Where there is no revelation, other, other translations say where there is no vision, the people perish. Same verse here, different different version, where there is no revelation, where there is no prophetic word, where there is no, most specifically, the the closest we can get to this in a literal translation is oracle or someone who divinely speaks for another, where there's nobody telling you what God says, people cast off restraint. Listen, this is what happens on deserted islands. You you get a bunch of crazy people, go ahead and let that carnival cruise ship with the singles people, the the crazy boat, just maroon on a desert island, and everybody be like, nobody here is talking about God, no police here, no government here, no laws of any kind here, let's just throw off all restraint. Where there's nobody talking for God, people cast off restraint. God goes on to say after that, but... That's a contrast, but happy is he who keeps the law. Now, remember, ladies, when you see he or him or man in the Bible, primarily, not always, but most of the time, it's not being gender specific. It's talking about humans. It's talking about mankind. It's not just he, male, but he, all of us, mankind. People are happy who keep the law. Ask your five-year-old if they believe that. Well, they don't know. They don't. Ask your 15-year-old if they believe that. Let's get some more honest. Ask your 13-year-old if they believe that. Ask anybody living in your house if they believe that. Primarily, they don't. Why? Because the devil has conditioned us to think that rules are bad and throwing off restraint is good. Do you realize that that boat marooned on the island, and they may spend three or four days buck wild naked running around drinking up all the liquor and acting crazy. But once, once all that wore off, do you know what one of the first things that they would do when they realized what situation they were in? They would establish rules. They would create some parameters. They would settle on what is and what isn't acceptable within their own newly formed, crazed up, single partying, carnival maroon ship culture. Why? Because God, who created us, created us to live inside. The parameters, the God who created us, created us to live inside the rules. Happiness comes from living inside the rules. You say, well, I don't believe that, preacher. Keep living. Happiness comes from living inside the rules. You want to find out? Talk to somebody who's lived for a long time. You want to find out? Talk to somebody who lived a long life and is passing into the uh eternity they're about to move on to the. you never hear somebody say man I wish I'd have went to one more party when I was younger you never hear anybody say man I wish I'd have got blind drunk one more time no, they 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 wish for better and deeper things. They wish they'd have been a better husband. They wish they'd have been a better wife. They wish they'd have told the people that they love they loved them more. They wish they'd have held more and hugged more. They wish they'd have laughed more and lived more. Why? Because these are the parameters that we as human beings are created to live inside. But people want to throw off restraint. We are living in the lowest church attending generation in the history of America. America started. A couple hundred years ago, with a much higher church attendance than we see now, and it's declining and declining and declining. Why? Because people think that if they come to church, church is going to give them rules, and the rules are going to be bad. People think if they come to church, they're going to be told what they can and they can't do, and that's going to make them sad. Listen, let me tell you again, the God who created us created us to live inside the rules and to be happy that way. Now, we had in the 70s in America something called the Grace Movement. Because church had just gotten too over the top. Church had just gotten out of control with rules. Church had just become rule heavy. Come, uh, theologians called it legalistic. They thought by keeping every single law in the Bible that God would be pleased with you and you could get into heaven. Listen, you can't get into heaven by keeping the rules, but you can get blessed by keeping the rules. You can't get into heaven. You can't, you can't build and establish a relationship with God by keeping the rules. So church churches started saying cool stuff like, Christianity is not about rules. It's about a relationship, and that's true. But do you realize every relationship has rules? You don't think so? All right, let me say something to all you married people. Don't go home tonight. Now, don't do that. I don't need your spouse calling me trying to piece you back together. But you you know that wouldn't work. Don't don't go to school tomorrow. No, don't do that because I don't need your parents calling me to piece everything back together. But, oh, there is no school tomorrow. Or, or in Jacksonville, there ain't no school tomorrow. But that's funny right there. Holiday, as if they didn't have enough. You know what that means? Well, who's watching these kids all over the place when everybody's trying to work? The parents need a job, but let's keep going on to a different subject. Y'all let me do the talking. We'll be here all day. Rules are not bad, but the enemy wants you to think they are. The enemy wants you to drive everybody out of your life that can bring revelation into your life. The enemy wants you to drive everybody who speaks for God in your life out of your life so you can cast off constraint and do the Adam's family life. You know, they want to do what they want to do, say what they want to say, dance how they want to dance, play how they want to play because they think that's what's going to make them happy. But at the end of all that, there's nothing. At the end of all that, there's emptiness. At the end of all that, there is lack of purpose. And until you start learning that there's something bigger than you in this life and there's something greater than just you getting you on, you are going to live a life that is less than purposeful and a life that is less than meaningful. And one day you'll get to the end of that life and you will scratch your head and wonder, what was it really all about anyway? because the enemy wants you to drive out everybody that represents God and everybody that speaks for God so you can just say, I'm my own person, and I can do whatever I want to do. Listen, I give you that freedom. You can do whatever you want to do, but I come to you today to tell you, God says that if you want to be happy, and you do, everybody in this room wants to be happy. Everybody that ever lived on this planet wants to be happy. If you want to be happy, you got to keep the law. Because that's what the Bible says. So We, we, we do what we want to do because we want to be happy. God created us to get happiness inside the rules. We're told repeatedly throughout Scripture that we're supposed to love God. And in our opening text, it tells us things we're not supposed to love. So I told you this morning we're going to look at things we should love, things that we shouldn't love. We should love God. That's a given. That's easy. We should love the things that God loves. God loves people. God loves righteousness. God God loves goodness and virtue and morality. Our country's not loving those things at a high level. Why? Because the people in our country aren't loving those things at a high level. And I believe if we look inside these 3 verses that I read as my opening text, we can find out a way to at least get us back on track. It's it's awesome when I hear all these people that think they're going to change the world. I hear people talking about putting together marriage ministries that's going to reach the world, Put it, putting together different groups that's going to reach the world, going to change the world. Listen, before you can change the world, you got to change you. you you got you to start with that person you see in the mirror. If you want your world to get better, you got to make you better. If you'd like to see your community get better, you need to get better. The church harps on all the wrong things. We will never go to an abortion clinic and picket abortion clinics. We will never stand outside a pornographer's place and picket them. We're not picking liquor distributors, picketing them. None of that. Why? Because they got to do what they got to do. not mad at anybody. I don't get mad if I see a dog crawl on all four legs and lick water out of a bowl. That doesn't shock me. That's what a dog's supposed to do. Now, if a human being crawled on all four legs and did that, I'd have an issue with it. What am I saying? When I see the world do worldly stuff, that don't shock and or bother me. But when I see people who claim the name of Christ, when I see people who show up at the church on Sunday, fresh out of the club on Saturday night, I realize there's an issue here. See, people in 2016 want to do both. They want to satisfy every desire they have on the inside that does not please God, but sneak a little guide in on the side just so they can go to heaven, maybe. Listen, let me tell you, that lifestyle doesn't work. If you don't hear anything else, I said, here it is today. Pick a side. Pick a side. Quit doing both. that just make you miserable. Pick a side. You, 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 you're miserable coming to church because you don't want to live right. You're trying to straddle the fence. If you pick a side, life will be better. And let me tell you, God's side is always the right side to pick. What God can give you is better than what the world can give you because God said real happiness comes from keeping his law. Let's look at what we're not supposed to love this morning. In 1 John 2, 15, God said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do not love the world. Now, there's a lot of times when I read the Bible, and I've told you guys about this stuff, I get little disconnects in my brain. I get times in my brain where I'm like, "Mm, I don't get that. I don't understand how that makes sense because I know the Bible is right. And there's never an issue with whether or not the Bible is right. It's about my understanding. It's about me not being able to put it together because I know the Scripture never makes a mistake. But this says, do not love the world. And the most famous verse in the whole Bible, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the what? Well, if we're supposed to love God and the thing God loves, and he tells us in his book that he loves the world, how is it that we are not supposed to love the world when he said you can't walk with him unless you agree with him? Well, he loves the world, but he's telling us not to love the world. I want you to see the difference in these worlds. The world that God loves is the world full of people. The world that's being talked about here in 1 John chapter 2 is an evil system. Say system. The, the world that's being represented here is an organized system led by Satan that rivals God and leaves God out. God loves the world when we're talking about a world full of people, but he doesn't love the system that organizes people against him. And let me tell you what organizes people against him, anything that divides. Because God is for unity and the devil's for division. Anything that divides, race, division on race, division on class, structured division on any type of bank account any type of where you were live how you were raised all those different things political affiliation divides all these different things are there to create division And God wants us to create unity. All this organized system that the world has is just eroding the fabric of morality in our country, eroding the love we have for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you know what the news major job is to do other than just get advertisers and make people money to separate and divide? to cause us to, 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 to love each other less, to see things that position us against our brothers and sisters. The, there is a system at place that is working against you. Now, I'm not saying lay at home all day long and say, well, the system just against me. I can't rise above because the Bible says that we are above and not beneath. The Bible says that with God we conquer in everything. The Bible says that he always causes us to triumph. But I want you to know there is a system in place in this world that is working against you. It's working against your mind. It's working against your health. It's working against your finances. It's working against your relationships. And this is the world that God is telling us not to love, this world system. Do not love the world. Do not love this system that opposes God. And do not love the things of the world, the things that the world system wants you to love. Why shouldn't we do that? Because God says if anyone loves this system, if anyone loves this organization that is pushing God out, The love of the Father is not in him. That's a hard word. Who can hear it? That's a hard word. If you love the world or the things that are in the world, the Bible says that the love of God is not in you. That's why I say pick a side because you can't do both according to God. You can fool yourself and think that you're doing both. You can fool yourself and think that you can live this way Monday through Friday and throw a little God in on the side. But God already said, if you love the world or the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Now, I want us to see in in the next verse. Let me read the next verse. Verse 16 says, for all that is in the world, hyphen, pause on every bit of punctuation you see in the Bible, all that is in the world. It's about to describe everything that it just said not to love. It's about to let you know everything that is on this list of what we are not to love. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but of the world. Between those hyphens, I'm going to read it to you again, and I want you to count how many things we see in the Scripture because we need to learn today. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How many things is that? Why am I holding up my fingers? Make sure y'all got the right answer. I know some of y'all don't pass a lot of tests. I'm trying to help you. Three things, say three. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's so wordy, and and that's so churchy sounding, and that's so difficult to talk about in those terms. We got to break it down and learn something. But as we do that, I want you to know the devil has no new tricks. That's why the Bible says that you should not be unwise, but understand what the schemes, the tricks, the strategy of the devil is. He is not getting any smarter. He is not figuring out any new stuff. He's got, listen, if you know your enemy and you know they only got one or two, three things that they do well and you can shut that down, you're going to win every time. He has no new tricks. He's been doing the same thing from the beginning. The same thing, what? He tempts us to overthrow us to destroy us, to harm us with three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And you need to begin to be able to categorize your life and the things that you participate in with your life to see if they fall into one of these three categories because these are the categories that the devil works in, and he's been working in them from the beginning. When God created man, we go all the way back to Genesis, the beginning, and in chapter 1, God creates man, creates a male and female, They're perfectly right with God, no sin, meeting with God every day, talking. Listen, naming animals, just having a great time, no issue at all. But then in Genesis 3, just already in the third chapter, the devil comes along and tempts the woman. And that's why they talk about Pandora's box, a woman opened up the bad stuff, and the whole world's bad on women. Listen, don't kid yourself, the man was there too. And we'll see that in just a second, but the theologians call it the fall of man where man went from being right with God to not being right with God. And the enemy used the same tricks then that he's using in 1 John chapter 2, which was thousands of years later, that he's using even now, which is thousands of years later. Listen to what happened in Genesis 3, 6. We all know that the woman ate the fruit. Look on the back of your iPhone, your iPad, your MacBook, uh, your Apple product. It's got uh, an apple with what? A bite out of it. There's a message there, but I'm going to keep moving. i got my iPhone 6 in, in my office don't hate verse 6 says so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate she also gave her husband with her and he ate all right so here you've got this these two people only two people on the planet god's given them one rule he said don't eat that over there don't eat it. anything else you want over here don't eat that over there. Well, you know what kids are going to do. I mean, if you just really want them to do just just tell them, don't you touch that spinach. I'm going to go upstairs and make my bed. Y'all, eat. Well, maybe not spinach, but you say that about a cookie, that cookie's gone. That little kid will be looking at you with crumble on their face saying, I didn't eat it. Listen, God said don't eat it, and what, what do rebellious little kids do? They do exactly what they're told not to do. The devil was able to tempt her with the fruit, on three different levels, the same way he's going to tempt you and me and every other person for the rest of the time. This is his trick bag. He, she saw it, and it looked like it was good for food. She, she saw it, and it was pleasant to the eye. She saw it and believed that it could make her wise. So she did what God told her not to do. What she do? She cast off constraint. She, she, she threw caution to the wind and said, I'm going to do what I want to do. Why? She thought it was going to make her happy. Why? Because it it appealed to her senses. And these are the three tricks that the enemy used on her, that he was using when John wrote this thousands of years ago and that he's going to use today and tomorrow and until the end of time. Listen, here's how you know that it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. How it makes you feel on the inside physically. And it, it, she, she saw the it, it was good for food. It, was, it, it appealed to her flesh. Oh, if I eat that, it's going to make me feel good on the inside. Listen, everything that makes you feel good on the inside ain't good for you. And there's consequences to everything. You realize if the fish knew that piece of bait had a hook in it, he'd leave it alone. Problem is we as human beings haven't figured out where all the hooks are. Because they show us stuff on TV. Well, I don't even know. I watch so little TV anymore, and I heard that they've outlawed certain commercials that show drinking and smoking on them. But I know media loves to show good-looking people drinking beer with six-pack abs and eight-pack abs. Listen, you ain't going to find that dude often. All right, He he ain't laying around the house on the couch screaming, Honey, bring me another six-pack, and talking about his stomach. They don't show the real results of alcohol. They don't show the abuse, the spousal abuse, the child abuse. They don't show the lost job. They don't show hugging the bowl. They they don't show throwing up and laying in vomit. They don't show the destruction that all that brings. They want to glamorize it. Why? Because it's the lust of the flesh. Oh, look at this. Smoking, drinking, partying, look at all this stuff, man, is this is going to make you feel good on the inside. That's the lust of the flesh, but we also have the lust of the eyes. She looked at that fruit, and she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. Not only does it appeal physically, but it appeals to your mind. You start looking at stuff thinking, oh, I like that. Oh, that, 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 that hits me just right in my mind. I, I like the way that looks. Let me tell you something. Unless you're under the age of about two, you need to start thinking better than just with your eyes. You need to start. Listen, ladies, don't go after scummy old raggedy dude just because you think he looks good. Because he's going to get that furniture disease one day. I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. He's going to get that chest of drawers disease. His chest is going to fall straight down to his drawers one day. And, and and listen, he's going to go from this guy to this guy. It's just going to—furniture disease—don't don't say it right. Hey, that furniture disease is coming. And listen, guys, same way on the other side. Don't just think because she's so fine and she's so smoking hot. Listen, smoking hot goes to really not. Like that. Like that. Like that. Women are like, not me. <laughs> Keep living and keep looking in that mirror. You got, a few, you got a few changes to make on your own. Listen, here's the reality. If you keep living, stuff's going to change. The Bible says that outward beauty is vanishing. You're like, well, I'll get that fine chick for a minute then. Listen, start living beyond what you can see. Just because you think that it looks good to your eyes, if there's a hook in it, you need to stay away from it. It's also desirable to make one wise. That's the pride of life. It it appeals to your soul. It appeals to to the inner you. You want want things to satisfy your body. You want things to satisfy your mind. And you want things to satisfy your soul. This is the way the enemy is going to approach you. He's going to approach you with stuff to satisfy your body that's not really good for you. Not really good for you. People, I... (laughs) One verse every alcoholic on the planet knows is take some wine for thy stomach's sake. Well, if you're living in a culture where all the water is tainted and you've given up drinking wine for your new converted religion in Christ so much so that you're living with dysentery and you're traveling with Paul and he don't want to stop every seven minutes for you to have to go and undysentery yourself. He's going to say stop drinking that bad water, okay? Now, short of that, if you've got good, clean tap water, throw that verse out and learn about context. But everybody wants to try to justify what they do. Well, I only do this much of it. You wouldn't justify stuff you didn't already feel guilty about. Think about what you defend in your life, and you you can tell yourself what's right and what's wrong in your own life. Those things that you defend that you know you shouldn't be doing, but the enemy wants to appeal to us in things that we think will make us happy by satisfying our body, by satisfying our mind, or by satisfying our soul. It's the lust of the flesh. I want to tell you something. If it's not good in the long run, don't mess with it in the short run. If it's not going to be good for you that everybody knows about it, don't even get around it. If you've got to say, well, it ain't hurting nobody but me, it's hurting somebody, and you the you you need to be concerned about. If you've got to say, well, as long as nobody finds out about it, it's okay. You're justifying stuff because you know it's wrong. The enemy wants to appeal to your flesh, to your eyes, and to your pride. It's important what you put your eyes on. There are only certain ways that things can get on the inside of us. They can come in through our gates, our mouth gate, our nose gate, our eye gates, our ear gates. There are, th- there are ways that you can prevent stuff from coming into your life by shutting some of this stuff down. It's important what you look on. The Bible says you shouldn't set your eyes on anything that's unholy. You should, there are certain things I just don't believe Christian people ought to watch. There are certain things you can't erase out of your mind. Seth was saying something the other day. We were riding in the car, and he said he saw something that reminded him of some scary uh, commercial trailer he saw for a movie. And he said, I've just seen too much horror in my life. <laughs> 11 years old, been in church his whole life. And Jake said, you, horror, you've never even watched a horror movie. He said, I have at other people's houses. Listen, why is this generation so ate up with weirdness? Walking Dead, Zombie this, zombie that, vampires, crazy stuff. There is nothing of God in that. The enemy wants you to like the wrong stuff. Listen, if you there are people out there that are just so trapped in their mind to try to find happiness that doesn't exist. I met some one time. I went into a jiffy store and I saw some people, dude and a girl. They both had Jet black, I mean unnatural black, white people. Jet black hair, beyond black. And, and their skin was whiter than me. Listen, if you're whiter than me on purpose, you probably need some nutrition in your life. I was born this way. And I, people are like, Pastor, you need to get out in the sun. I ain't trying to do all that. But they, I, they were so white and their hair was so black. And they were wearing all black and a trench coat in Florida. I don't trust none of that. So I asked them, what is going on? They said, well, what do you mean? I said, what is what? All? I said, it's 97 degrees outside. You got a trench coat on. It's a statement. I said, really? Like that pale skin? Now, this is back when I was in my law business. I was brown as the bottom of your shoes. And, and they, they're like, we, we, we put baby powder on our skin to make us look dead. I'm like, well, you're doing a good job. That stuff's working for you. You are on point with your mission. They want to look like they have no life at all as their statement against the world. Listen, their mind has been corrupted. They're searching for something that doesn't exist. They're they're trying to find happiness in a realm that God never created for them. And we live in a day and time where people are straying and getting further and further away from the truth. People used to know the truth in this country. You want to be happy? Love God and love your family. You want to be happy? Love God, love your people, love, love, love the world, love, love, love the people that are in the world. Now we got all this weirdness coming on. Why? Because the devil convinced people that if it appeals to you physically, if it appeals to you visually, or if it appeals to your sense of pride that you think it will make you better, then you ought to jump on it. Those are things you ought to run from. I'm trying to expose some hooks for you this morning on Valentine's Day. You figure out what you need to love. Who you need to love. Start with God. Let Him lead you from there. But what you better not love is things with hooks in it. What has hooks in it? Things that appeal to you physically. Things that appeal to you visually. And things that you think are going to make you better off than you really are. Last verse, verse 17 says, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. God has just told us not to love this evil system. And he exposed how this evil system represents itself or comes to us as with these hooks. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he says all that stuff is passing away. Those things that appeal to you physically right now, they're not going to appeal to you physically down the road. Those things that look good to you in your eyes right now, they're not going to look so good down the road. Those things that you think are going to boost you up and hold you up, it's not going to happen. Why? Because all that stuff is temporary. All that stuff is vanishing. All that stuff is small picture. And I came today just to give you hope for a bigger picture. God is bigger than what appeals to your eyes. God is bigger than what appeals to your belly. God is bigger than your own sense of self worth or pride. And one day all that stuff's going to pass away. The last phrase says, but we got a transition here, a contrast. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. I said if I could grant you a wish, people would ask for different stuff. Money, bigger house, better car, better health, better family, health for the loved ones. they ask for all this different stuff because they want to be happy. The ultimate that you really need to be looking for in happiness is eternal happiness. Because if you believe this book, if you believe anything about Christianity, then you believe there's a heaven and a hell. And that this thing's going on forever. That everybody that's ever been created is going to exist forever in one of two places. Either forever in heaven or forever in hell. Now if you want to be happy and you got any sense at all, there's only one of those two places that you need to be concerned to get into. And that's heaven. Everybody does what they do because they want to be happy. Here's my question to you today. Are you really so limited in your thinking that your right now happiness means more to you than your eternal happiness? Are you really so easily blinded by the devil that you're willing to make bad choices today that could impact your eternity? I've had people tell me, well, Pastor, you lived wild coming up, in and out of jail, on and off of drugs. You, you did your thing and then got saved. I just want to do my thing, and when I get old like you, I'll come to Christ. Problem is, you don't know you're going to get old like me. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. You don't know. When, if you knew when your last breath would be, that, that game plan might have some merit to it. But not really, because there ain't no real happiness like being right with God. There's no real happiness like being able to lay your head down at night and know that you are clean in the eyes of your creator. See, all this world stuff, all this system, Democrat, Republican, it's going to pass away. Race, division, that's going to pass away. Rich and poor, that's going to pass away. Stuff that appeals to you physically and visually and emotionally, that stuff's going to pass away. But what's not going to pass away is eternity. It's going to go on and on. And you need to decide, is your eternal resting place valuable to you? See, the big happy is knowing I'm going to heaven when I die. Now I got some stuff going on in my life right now that I don't care for. I got some things in my life that are struggle, that are strained, that are problematic. But here's, here's what I tell myself, and it works for me, and it'll work for you too. One day all that stuff ain't even going to be around anymore, and I'm going to be in heaven happy as I can be. See, I believe the words of that old chorus. One glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. I believe soon and very soon we're going to see the King. I believe that when Jesus said that let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, I believe that Jesus went to prepare a place for us and that He's coming back to get us. So here's the reality: I can deal with all the temporary ugly in the world. You want you want to heap more on me? I can deal with it. I remember being in the army, greatest years, some of the greatest years of my life, being in the United States Army, and. I started to learn and see firsthand what they meant when they talked about short-timers disease. They'd talk about somebody, well, he got short-timers disease. He ain't going to do nothing. Why? Because he knew when his get-out date was, and he was getting close to it. Listen, I don't know when your get-out date is, but it's not as far away as you think it is. You've only got this much time left on this planet, and then you got to spend eternity somewhere. When I was in the military, it didn't matter what they tried to heap on me when I knew I only had 111 days left. When I knew I only had 65 days left, I, to, I, told, I, told, a, I told a sergeant one the first time, I told him one time I could stand on my head for the amount of time I got left. I could stand on my head and eat upside down and drink through a straw for these next 11 days. I am ready to process out and go on to the better part of what I believe is going to be my life. I want to tell you something. One day you're going to process out of this life. And you need to have a bigger range picture than what's good for my belly today. What's going to satisfy my eyes today. What's going to make me feel better about me today? Because all that me, me, and me stuff will leave you empty at the end of your life. All that self-satisfying, chasing the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's going to leave you empty at the end of your life. And if you don't have a love for God, if you don't have a relationship with God, not only will you get to the end and realize that your life was meaningless, but you'll leave out of this life and go to a place you don't want to be. What am I telling you? Get your eyes open to the bigger picture. All this stuff that looks so appealing right now, it's going to pass away. We're living for all the wrong stuff. We just, we just watched the Super Bowl. It was supposed to be the greatest Super Bowl in a long time. A team I thought was going to win lost. But do you realize 15 years from now, nobody's going to care as much about Cam throwing himself on the ground acting like a three-year-old? You realize 30 years from now, it's not even going to matter? A hundred years from now, the world's still here. Nobody's even going to remember much about that game. People don't even remember. I I bet there are not ten people in this room that can tell me who lost the presidential Democratic primary in 1972. Don't Google it. I'm going to let you go in five minutes. Don't Google it. What am I saying? Stuff that people people are so consumed with this whole Donald Trump thing. People are so consumed with Bernie and Hillary. People are consumed with all this stuff. Listen, I understand it's got some impact. And we have a civic duty to vote. But in the bigger picture, things don't you realize that our hope is in the Lord? Getting all fired up, losing your mind over random stuff. Oh, I can't wait the the new the new season of whatever TV show's about to come out. You spend hours and hours and hours engrossed in TV. You never put your eyes on God's Word. Spend hours and hours and hours. Ooh, I can't wait. The new halo's coming out. How's it any different from the last one? Oh, no, it's got three more graphics and an extra button. Okay. Do you have a get into heaven button? Because that's where real happiness comes from. See, I can deal with temporary pain if I know it's not going to last forever. So I thank God to know that all this stuff is temporary. I thank God to know that it's all passing away. Because I've bitten into some of that bait out there that had hooks in it. And been hurt by it. But I'm going to tell you this. Pain is passing away. The Bible says that when we get to heaven, those of us who get to heaven, there's not going to be any more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death, no more tears, no more pain. Why? Because all that stuff is temporary to begin with. And I'd rather go through some things right now on the short side to have heaven forever than just do me. Listen, if that's in your vocabulary, please enlarge your vocabulary and enlarge your life. Let's don't concentrate so heavy in 2016 on doing us. Let's concentrate for the rest of our life on honoring God so we can get to heaven in the end. All these things that we're focusing on as a society, God said, are passing away. And the lust of it, all that desire, one day's gonna be gone. And if that's what you based your whole life on, I know people that just live. When I was a younger man, there were times, even when I was on staff, I stayed home one day. The Dolphins lost. Where Jimmy Rich at? You remember that game, San Diego? We lost to San Diego, we finished the first half with that sweet hook and lateral. But When we lost that game, I didn't go to church that Sunday night. almost lost my job. I I was so mad that the San Diego Chargers beat us in the AFC championship game, what, 1982? Somewhere in that time frame. I was so mad. Why? Because I had my focus on all the wrong stuff. I didn't want to go because my team had lost. I was pouting my team. What? I don't sign checks? People don't know who I am. But I had my whole focus wrapped up in the Miami Dolphins and whether they did good or whether they did bad. But what I realized as I got older, I don't have to watch a game. I used to think if I'll stay here and watch this game, it'll help them win. Guess what? That doesn't work. You know you really got issues, and some of y'all going to know. When you feel like you have to leave your legs in the same position, because the, their, la- their last series ended in a touchdown because you had your legs crossed at the ankle. I can't get up now because i got to stay sitting like this and my team's going to lose. None of that stuff works. And whether they win or lose does not impact the big picture. I want you to focus on eternity. I want you to focus on what matters in the big run. I want you to focus on getting your heart and your mind right because the devil wants to get you on Temporary stuff to sidetrack you from the bigger stuff. What's the bigger stuff? Getting to heaven when you die. What's the bigger stuff? Making sure that you have a right relationship with God. Because God said, if you put Him first, everything else will fall into place. Some of y'all aren't having life turn out the way you want it to. I'm in that same group. But I believe that heaven's going to be how we want it. So let's just realize that when we get through with this, we've got all eternity. To have paradise in heaven with God. But all these hooks, all this lust, all this stuff that God doesn't love and doesn't want us to love, we got to get away from it. The answer for our community, the answer for our world is not one more picket line, not one more rally, not one more sit-in. The answer is for the people that come to church on Sunday that claim that they love Jesus Christ to get their hearts and their lives right with God. And just start living the way he created us to live. Everything else will fall in place. You could change the atmosphere on your job. Just by getting your heart right. Falling in love with Jesus. It's infectious. If you fall in love with Jesus and you really just decide nothing matters as much as him. You are going to create an atmospheric change everywhere you go. Jesus said that we are the light of the world. We're supposed to brighten our offices, brighten up our schools, brighten up our communities for Christ. He said we're the salt of the earth. We're supposed to flavor everywhere we go for Jesus. You can't do that focusing on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We got to get our eyes open to the bigger picture. Some of you don't have the real big picture established yet. Some of you have never even been truly saved. Listen, coming to church don't make you saved. Knowing a little bit about the Bible or a whole lot about the Bible doesn't make you saved. The Bible says that you got to believe that Jesus lived, died, was buried, and rose again. And you got to confess Him as your boss, your master, your Lord. If you're here and you're not right with God, I want to urge you this morning. Call out to God. The Bible says if we would ask Him to forgive us, He would forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The greatest feeling I ever experienced did not come from a bottle, a pill, or something I could shoot in my arm. It came from realizing that I was clean. With no shame and no stain before God. If you've never experienced that moment of cleansing that comes at salvation, you need to get your life and your mind right with God. You need to give your heart to Christ. You don't have to do that here. You don't have to walk an aisle or pray a prayer to do that. The Bible says if you would just call on the Lord, He would save you. Some of you need to do that. Some of you would say, well, I've done that before, and it didn't work. I tried that before, Uh, even here. I did that with you, and it didn't work. Do it again. But don't do it with me or for me. Don't do it because you're in church. Do it because you realize I want more than what I have. I want bigger life than what I have. I want more peace on the inside of me than what I have. I want to know this God that I've heard about my whole lifetime. You need to get to the place where you will admit that you are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And let the one who can fix you finally fix you. It's not going to come through programs. It's not going to come through religion. But it will come from you giving your heart to God and telling Him, I will love you and I will believe in you and I will put you first. I will serve you. I will make you more important than what I see. The enemy uses all these things that you can see. You see the bait. You don't see the hook. He uses all these things he puts in front of your face to make them look good and make them look satisfying and make them look appealing. But we don't serve God by what we can see. And that's where some of you come up short. Well, I just don't see how that works. It just don't look right for me. You got to get past what you can see with your human eyes and you got to start believing in something. You need to believe that there's a God in heaven that loves you. You need to believe that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. You need to believe that life is bigger than just this moment in time. Because all this junk, all this stuff, all that the world values is going to go away. But he who does the will of God will live forever. Are you doing what God requires you to do? God said, this is my requirement that you believe in the son who I've sent. Is your life centered on Jesus? If not, I want to encourage you. Ask God to save you. If you are saved, ask God to forgive you for not putting him first. And let's make a decision today on Valentine's Day 2016 that Jesus will be our first love. That Jesus will be who we ultimately love. Because if you will love him at the highest level, the rest of your life will fall into place. That is the promise from the word of God. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for hope that says one day when all this struggle and all this strain is past, that we will live forever. Help us, God, to care more about you than we care about ourselves. Help us, God, to not be so short-sighted that all we look at is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not about us, God. Forgive us for where we made it about us. Let it be about you. You alone are worthy to be praised, God. You're God all by yourself. There's nobody like you. Help us to love you more. Help us to serve you more. Help us to think about you more. Help us to read your word and pray more. Help us to be the men and women you created us to be. Men and women who would love you and love the people that you created. Help us to love our brothers and our sisters. Help us to understand that we are designed to be our brother's keeper. Help us, God, to realize that you love us and that's why we should love you. Thank you for sending your son to the cross to die for us that we could be saved. Lord, I pray for every person in this room who's not right with you that you would pour your love out on them right now. Give them a sense of awareness that things can be better if they will trust you. For everyone who is saved, God, I pray that you would increase our love for you and increase our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.